As I entered the locker room in Las Vegas the other night, visitor's locker room, Presley Harvin and Chris Boswell are up against one bank of stalls. T.J. Watt walks by and says, hey, nice game. And they both go back to him. Yeah, yeah, nice game, nice game. And in that moment, like right then and there, the thought occurred to me, as crazy as this will sound to you, I'm not sure which of the three had the best game. Good morning to you. Good Tuesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into hockey and or baseball. I also offer daily shots of Penguins and Pirates, the other two teams in town that I cover. Today is Mike Tomlin Tuesday. There will be no practice. There was no practice yesterday. The Steelers were busy landing their charter plane in cities where it didn't belong. They made it back okay yesterday. Reporters for independent media outlets will always travel independently. You actually prefer it that way. Never want to be obliged in any way, shape, or form to the team that you cover. I flew back myself. Nonstop Spirit Airlines had no diversion to Kansas City or anywhere else. And on that flight, I thought to myself that it doesn't feel like a lot of people are giving it up for the special team so far. And I haven't either. I could have come back in and invested this episode on something that everyone would want to talk about. Let's get into how Kenny Pickett's passing improved, especially in terms of its accuracy the other night. Let's get into what was involved in the running game moving forward. Some of the blocking schemes changed. Najee Harris running as hard as he did. Let's get into George Pickens. These are all hot subjects. And people love when you talk about them, when they talk about them. But let me tell you something here. I'm going to put this up on my little screen so that I make sure that I get these right. Chris Boswell is currently 5 of 5 for field goals. Okay, that's kind of what you expect. He's also perfect on extra points. And of those five made field goals, three of them have come from 50-plus yards. Three of them, including the 57-yarder that he hit the other night in Las Vegas. That's really impressive, even for someone who's been as reliable as Boz has for so many years. That's something that's way up here. I'm holding my hand really high over my head. Harvin's a little harder to evaluate as all punters are. Like, on one hand, I could mislead you and tell you that Harvin leads the NFL in yards, meaning the total number of yards that he's amassed on his punts. He has 19 punts for 897 yards. Sounds great, right? Well, okay, except that his 19 punts also lead the league because the offense has been terrible. That's not fair to the other punters. Harvin's also got a 47.2 average, which kind of sits in the middle of the pack. He's got eight punts that have been planted inside the 20-yard line, which is tops in the league, but again, has more to do with the fact that he's out there all the time. So what I look at instead with Harvin, and I know for a fact that this is what Mike Tomlin looks at as well, is a situational success. And if you look at that game the other night in Las Vegas, he had himself a 63-yarder, which was really impressive. 
And it was part of just this continuing ability to really, really let the thing fly when he needs to. But me, I go to the 56-yarder with 12 seconds left and a need, and I do mean need, to bury the Raiders deep in their zone. I had a talk with Harvin after the game and noted to him that Las Vegas's punter had just had a beautiful diagonal punt. Do you guys remember this? Where Calvin Austin was lined up on one side of the field and all he wanted to do was to kill that ball away from Austin, but also far enough that it got out of bounds, just not risking a return. And he just, I mean, it was perfect. And Harvin acknowledged that, like, yeah, that was amazing. That's kind of what he was going for here. He put it into the same part of the field from the same position on the field, and he got it almost out of bounds, and then the Las Vegas guy fumbles it, remember that, and they ended up recovering it, whatever. It didn't matter because they were buried at their eight-yard line. Harvin sealed the game. He ended the game. And I'm watching him going off that field, screaming his head off. He knew that. He knew that he won the game. Not won it the way... You know, this is where you start mixing and matching between offense, defense, and special teams and so forth. Okay, He didn't win the game the way T.J. Watt did. He didn't win the game the way Austin did with the 72-yard reception. He didn't win the game the way Pat Fryermuth did. Or even, let's say, Cole Holcomb, who was just knocking people all over creation. But when he was needed to do his job, he did it, and he did it at an elite level. Now, if you want to throw into this pile that the Steelers have also been really solid on punt returns and kick returns, by that I'm referring to coverage, the defensive component to it, haven't given up a big return yet. You can uh, almost overlook the fact that Austin still hasn't really broken one as far as a punt return goes, but he looks like he's constantly on the verge of doing that. And the fact that the kick returns needed to change hands from Anthony McFarland to now Desmond King, and that's obviously going to disrupt things. But as every coach and every player at any level of football will tell you, there aren't two phases to this game. There are three. And the Steelers are really getting something out of that third one. And I'm, I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Good for them. I can tell you that they're enjoying it. They really are. When we come back, J1Q. This segment of Daily Shot is brought to you by our good friends at Mike's Beer Bar. They're located on Federal Street, directly across from PNC Park. Mike has more than 500 beers on tap, including from more than 50 local breweries. Stop in and say hello. Tell Mike we sent you. Mike's Beer Bar. The law firm of Edgar Snyder & Associates has joined forces with Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback Kenny Pickett to make a difference in the community. They're supporting Connecting Champions, a local charity that asks pediatric cancer patients, what's your passion, and connects them to mentors who give these young patients an identity outside of their diagnosis. You can learn more about what Edgar Snyder and Associates and Kenny Pickett are doing in the community by visiting edgarsnyder.com slash giving back. Again, that's edgarsnyder.com slash giving back. 
before we get to J1Q, I, I just have one more thing to say about special teams, and I hope nobody minds the mini soapbox here. But you can't have it both ways. You can't just talk about a Chris Boswell or a Presley Harvin when they mess up. You can't just talk about a Christian Kuntz whenever he has a bad long snap, at which point you're going out of your way to find out what the long snapper's name even is. If they're doing well at these jobs, yeah, it's boring. Yeah, it's barely worth a mention. But if they're doing exceptionally well, that's my point here today. If they're doing things that win games for your team and they're not being mentioned, and I'm going to say it again, including by me, I am not an exception here. I'm bringing them up today for the first time, and I'm not going to apologize for it. I'm not going to worry over the fact that this will be the least viewed episode just as soon as people see the title that we have probably of Daily Shot of Steelers like all month. I don't care. I don't care. It's the right thing to do. Today's J1Q comes from Rich, who says, DK, is it time to see our first-round pick at left tackle? Do you think Broderick Jones will start this week in Houston? I Two ways to answer this, Rich. Let me try this. One is I don't think that he will. I think that you would have to see a full and regular solid week of practice, and you would have to see this head coach in particular moved by more, no pun intended, than three games of meh performance by Dan Moore. I also feel like you'd have to see a whole nother level of this head coach backing off his longtime loyalty to Chooks Okorafor. So whether it's left tackle or right tackle, and left tackle is most likely because let's remember that's Jones's position, even though he's, you know, taking a cup of coffee here or there at right tackle in practices and even back in Latrobe. So no, I don't believe that it'll happen. I don't believe that it'll happen after the third week. Do I think that it should is a separate issue? And Man, this is going to sound like I'm punting on this, and I don't mean to. But I'd really need to have access to not just all of the film, but also all of the designs and hopes for every scheme that's drawn up. Because when you see an edge rusher or whoever beat a tackle, you can often be mistaken, even if you're an elite expert on football. You can often be mistaken in terms of who was actually supposed to do what, because the only people who know that are the players on the field and the coaches. That's it. That's it. There's no how-to guide that gets published somewhere where you find out, oh, that actually wasn't Chooks' guy. James Daniels was supposed to get him, or Mason Cole was supposed to do this or that or whatever. You don't know that. You just don't know that. To the bare eye, I have not liked Moore's play really since the very beginning of the season. I don't think he handled Nick Bosa as much as he got help from Darnell Washington. I don't think he handled Miles Garrett 
even though Garrett ended up with his typical blah line against the Steelers, the one tackle and one quarterback hit, because he beat more consistently. He was back there. He forced the Steelers to do other things, and he definitely did not handle Max Crosby a couple nights ago. Neither did Chooks when Crosby went and lined up on that side. Now, as that was going on, as Crosby was basically having his way, and Kenny Pickett would acknowledge after the game that part of the Steelers' general plan was to have him scrambling, meaning on purpose, to keep Crosby guessing, that's also telling me you had no faith whatsoever in anybody to even slow him down. If you're drawing that up, you just don't believe in your blockers. Not Kenny. I'm talking about the coaches. And yet, even in that setting, Broderick Jones only took five snaps. He was only out there for five snaps. That's not a sign that the coaches are looking to get him immersed. That's not a sign either that the coaches are dissatisfied with either of their tackles, including more. So, no, I, I don't see it. What I do see, and we talked about this way back in the summertime, is that this schedule was always going to be front-heavy when it came to edge rushers. When you're seeing Bosa, Garrett, and Crosby in back-to-back-to-back weeks, just like that, you probably did want your more experienced guy out there. Well, he was out there. It didn't work. Do you instantly pull the plug on him? That's also something that we brought up in the summertime. I don't think so. But I'll tell you what. And this goes double for more. He needs to have himself a game. I believe this on Sunday in Houston because they don't have that player. They don't have that edge rusher. They don't have somebody who's going to be up there in sacks and pressures and hits and PDs and whatever else here. And he can't continue to be a weakness that the Steelers actually have to draw their X's and O's around. Not when you have a first-round pick, 14th overall, that you traded up to get. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Steelers, and we will do another one of these tomorrow. Tomorrow.